Hi, and welcome to the Oil & Gas Accounting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tom Weyerman, Executive Director of COPUS, the Council of Petroleum Accountant Societies. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Sherwood, owner and founder of Sherware, that provides software for oil and gas operators and accountants. If you're a CPA, an accountant, a bookkeeper, an office manager, or if you're an oil and gas operator doing your own accounting, this podcast is for you. We're here talking with the experts in their respective accounting areas to keep you up to speed on the latest accounting news, rules, and data. There is so much happening in the world today, especially in oil and gas, that affects the accounting function of a business. Our job on this podcast is to keep you up to date and help you see more, know more, and do more as an accounting professional in our field. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Oil & Gas Accounting Podcast. Our job is to bring you information and news that pertains to oil and gas accounting. And this means sometimes we have guests and sometimes we bring you the latest news that affects oil and gas businesses and their accounting. And today is one of those shows. We're going to call this the random show because we've got some updates on state legislative initiatives, and we'll also be discussing the things that are happening at the federal level. I'm your host, Phil Sherwood, and I'm here with my co-host, Tom Weirman. Hey, Tom, are you ready for this discussion? Hey, Phil, how are you? Yeah, I am, actually. This is a, this, there are a lot of things going on this year. This, this could be a really interesting year. So uh, maybe today we start our discussion talking about hydraulic fracturing. As you know, hydraulic fracturing remains a subject of a lot of a legislative scrutiny, not only the state, but the federal level as well. And I think it was in the last day or so that President Biden came through and said he's not going to push a ban on fracking. But, you know, at the state level, I, there's, there's a number of states, Connecticut, Oregon, Washington, they, they've all passed legislation this last year to ban or restrict fracking. Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, they're all considering bills to either prohibit, regulate, further, further regulate, rather, um, or study hydraulic fracturing. And I think even in Virginia, there's a, a bill, Senate Bill 106, to prohibit fracking in the Eastern Virginia groundwater management area. So, uh, again, looking down a little further, Arizona, Florida, Oklahoma, uh, New Mexico, they've all proposed legislation on fracking, but left it really hanging with no future date to, dis- to uh, consider it or discuss it. So let's throw that out and see what happens. Yeah, that's a lot of legislation that's passed or been proposed over the last couple of years. And you know what? It's my hunch that it's only going to increase. You know, two bills have been brought up, one in the Senate um, by Bernie Sanders and one in the House by Representative Ocasio-Cortez to completely ban fracking on all federal lands. Well, this could be really interesting. Let's let's kind of see where this goes. So, uh, do you have some more detail on that? I don't. Just a little bit what I've read on it. But if you get those two names together, you're going to find very big opposition to the oil and gas industry. And I think fracking is one of their, their trigger words that sets them off. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But since Biden has said that he's not going to ban fracking, we'll see how far it goes. But let's go back and talk about the states again. Moving on from fracking, let's talk about some different tax bills that are coming up. In Oklahoma, on January 13th, State Bill 389 was introduced, which is going to affect the gross production tax rate. Between now and December 31st of 2021, the end of this year, the gross production tax is 7%. And starting in January 1st, 2022, they're dropping the tax from 7% to 6%. Now, well spudded after July 16th, 2018, 
through the end of this year will be taxed at a rate of 5%. And that's from the date of the first production for a period of 36 months. And after that, it reverts back to 7%. But starting on January 1st, 2022, that 5% gross production tax will drop to 4% for the first 36 months of production. And if successful, these changes will become effective January 1st, 2022. Oh, Phil, you've got a... You give it, given us a lot of detail in there, and there's a lot of dates and a lot of 36 months and a lot of this and a lot of that. I hope you've got a great programming staff there at Sureware to uh, to make sure that you have all those triggers yeah. included in that. So that that's a lot to consider. Like I said, they make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes they write something in there just because their shoes untied one day. <laughs> <laughs> Also in Oklahoma, Senate Bill 1875 named the Oil and Gas Water Recycling and Reuse Act passed on May 13th of 2020. Now, that bill stipulates that the operator and non-operators are the sole owners of the produced water and the waste, and they have a right to use, possess, handle, dispose of, transfer, convey, sell, transport, process, recycle, reuse, or treat the substance. So what does that sound like to you? Uh, so in other words, that sounds like they can do anything they want with it as long as it's legal. Is that right? Uh, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, it sounds like they covered all their bases with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, produced water is one of those things. It's just, it's a big issue. So yeah, they have to get very specific in all these bills. So it would have been interesting sitting around watching them come up with all the different ways that you could do something with water. Well, now let's go to Colorado. As expected, when Senate Bill 181 passed, there's a lot of local regulatory activity. A key provision of the Bill 181 allows the local governments to regulate oil and gas operations above and beyond the regulations of the state. So with that, several municipalities and counties, they've taken action this year to regulate well setback requirements, enact moratoriums on oil and gas development, and even regulate drilling noise pollution. So what do you think about that? Well, Colorado is going to be interesting as far as oil and gas activity goes over the next few years. You know, with that many hands in the pot, it's going to be harder to do business in the state if you're in oil and gas. And as we've seen with how the pandemic's been handled with each state doing their own thing, it kind of gets chaotic. And so nobody knows what anybody else is doing or what's going on or most important when it comes to legislation and things like that, who to blame for the shortfalls. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, it's one of those things where I think um, if people knew the rules and it was, it was clear and they knew how to, to handle it, I think we could go forward, but I think there's just some ambiguity out there. And, and I think companies are trying to figure out exactly what all this means and, and play within the guidelines that we've been given. So. Yeah, like we said, it's going to be interesting and you probably will have to stay on your toes if you're doing business in Colorado. But north of Colorado and Wyoming, there's been a couple of competing bills introduced related to ad valorem taxes. The first one is WYSF45, and that makes changes to the rollout of monthly payments for ad valorem taxes. The first change just codifies the language The second change clarifies the seven-year monthly rollout. It makes it binding. And the third change adds penalties and interest to the non-payment of monthly bills. (laughs) Yeah. So the second bill, WYSF60, it eliminates the long-term rollout of monthly payments. 
It requires monthly payments to track with severance tax payments starting in 2022. Monthly payments from 2020 and 2021 production are to be paid over 13 years at 8% installments. Now, only one of these bills can pass because they are competing, but on the same side, they can both fail. So we will see what happens there. When, when you were saying that, I was trying to think about the math in my head for a minute. I'm like, uh, what did that say? <laughs> Monthly <laughs> yeah. payments for 2020 and 2021 production are to be paid over 13 years, 8% installments. Yeah. I wonder how oh. they came up with those numbers. Oh, boy. I, uh, yeah. And of course, you know, as you said, these are proposed. They're not necessarily... Um, legislative actions at this point. I mean, they're, they're proposed. So let's kind of see where those end up. Well, let's go on to North Dakota, uh, moving further north to the, to the U.S.-Canadian border. Okay, in North Dakota, North Dakota Senate Bill 2328 was introduced on January 25th. The producer is entitled to a credit against the tax liability on the oil and gas extraction tax of 75 cents per MMBTU, a flare mitigation resulting in on-site flare mitigation systems on a qualifying well. So this credit could be a claim for 12 months per well. It may not exceed $6,000 per well per month. So that flare mitigation system must be installed between June 20, June 30th of 2021 and July 20, sorry, July 1st, rather, 2023. So let's see, I was reading a little further here. The credit only applies to the production from wells located outside the exterior boundaries of the Fort Berthold Reservation unless the three affiliated tribes notifies the tax commissioner that the three affiliated tribes desires to include production from wells from within the boundaries of that Indian reservation. So uh, again, lots of little intricacies in there, ifs and that's and therefore. So um, what do you think about that? Yeah, that looks like an enticement to get a flare mitigation system on site at the wells. Um, because they're giving you a credit there. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes out. Also in North Dakota, uh, Senate Bill 2319 was introduced on uh, January 25th as well. The taxes subject to this bill are the state's oil and gas gross production and extraction tax. And they're attributable to production from wells located within the exterior boundaries of reservations and wells located on trust properties outside reservation boundaries. And for the purposes of this bill, wells located within the exterior boundaries of the reservation includes wells with one or more horizontal laterals that penetrate the reservation. Please note that this bill will not affect gross production taxes paid, but could affect the tax sharing arrangement between the three affiliated tribes in the state. Well, this brings up an interesting point, and that is that President Biden put a temporary suspension on new oil and gas leasing permits on federal lands. And, you know, that, that could have a really huge impact economically on communities across the country if it's made permanent. So uh, I guess the interesting part of that whole thing is they've come out and clarified that the Native American tribes are exempt from this leasing ban, though. Yeah, I also noticed that they didn't ban coal permits from federal lands, just oil and gas permits, which really seems inconsistent with their concern for the climate. Lastly, let's talk about the Keystone XL pipeline permit cancellation. Now, last week on the podcast, we had Brad Arizon, who was the lead lobbyist for the Keystone pipeline. And he told us he expected that the new administration, that they would be canceling that permit. And he was right. But I can't imagine being a pipeline company and having a positive outlook for the next four years. 
you know, there's been several thousand people laid off from work on the pipeline. And a good friend of mine was one of them. He was laid off just last week as soon as that permit was canceled. Yeah, that that is tough. I think, you know, that I think we just have to continue to monitor that. I, I, I mean, I've heard lots of different things that being said about what, what's going to happen with those displaced workers. But um, I, I don't know exactly where that's going to lead us, but I guess time will tell. So, well, is there, is there anything else before maybe we wrap up today? I, that's, that's an awful lot of information for this one episode. I might, might put in a plug if it's okay. I'm Copus Revenue Committee monitors a lot of these legislative actions. And there's a couple of people actually that, that put out feelers from time to time. So anything that kind of looks like it's coming down the pike related to production tax, severance tax, those kinds of things, or, or anything really that's, that's taking place at the state level, uh, we could put that information in the show notes if anybody's interested in picking that up. Yeah, we sure can. Uh, I think you can even get on an email list to get uh, correct all of those bills and everything going on at the state to come out. So we'll include that in the show notes. Yeah, we could probably go on and on. And I agree, this is definitely enough information for one episode. Uh, the main thing for people to take away from this is that our industry is going to continue to be challenged and new things are going to be introduced that we're going to have to account for. But this is not the first rodeo for so many of us. We've, we've all seen different administrations come and go. We've seen different events that have taken place that have impacted the oil and gas industry negative, negatively. Uh, yeah. But I think we're pretty resilient. And I, and I think, you know, it, oil and gas is just not going to go away overnight. We're just going to have to continue to fight through this. So um, stay tuned and we'll see where this leads us. But for now, I think that's a wrap on this episode of the oil and gas accounting podcast. We really appreciate all of our listeners and until next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you're doing accounting for oil and gas companies alone, you and the companies you serve are missing out. Copas provides expertise for the oil and gas industry through the development of model form accounting procedures, publications, and education. With more than 2,600 members and 26 societies, members of Copas are all over the United States and Canada. Being a Copas member means that you are at the forefront of driving change and innovations that shape accounting in the petroleum industry. Outpace the rest and learn more about our industry's best accounting practices, standards, and guidelines that will propel your career. Find out how to join at copas.org.